Well, thank you for being here this morning. Certainly glad, glad to be back with you. We had a, a nice vacation last week. Uh, in fact, uh, um, I think the weather was nicer in Erie, Pennsylvania than it was here in Roanoke, Virginia, surprisingly. In fact, they had a record high temperature of 87 degrees, you know. I pray that the Lord would warm it up a little bit, and, I, and he more than answered that prayer, and he certainly did. Now they're in the 40s, and we're enjoying at least the 60s. So, uh, But thank you. I thank you uh, for your prayers for me and for our time away. Our family was refreshed, just spending some time together with family and friends, but it's good to be back. Uh, let's look to the Lord in prayer as we turn attention to uh, his word. Shall we pray? Our Father, we come uh, to this time in our worship of opening your word together. We confess that your word is truth, and we acknowledge that. And even as we sang in that uh, song right before this time, Lord, speak, O Lord. Uh, speak to our hearts. Uh, allow us to hear from you as your word is shared. And we pray that, Lord, not only for ourselves to be receptive, but for all who are in the hearing of this word to be responsive to you. And uh, that is our heart's desire, that is our prayer, and we give ourselves to you to that end, and we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me ask you a question uh, to begin to, this morning. How many of you like to wait? Raise your hand. Any of you? Uh, why, why is it that waiting is so difficult, that it's, it's so hard? I'm, I'm sure that part of it, at least in part, is that uh, you and I are conditioned by our, our culture. In fact, if you spend any time in front of a screen, what happens uh, to you if immediately when you type in your search and it ha doesn't come up and the little symbol comes up and it says working, you know, what do you do? Come on! You know, uh, how often have you maybe in your work environment uh, received a, a memo or a, an instruction from uh, uh, your, your superior that says uh, ASAP on it? As soon as possible, get it done. We're waiting, we're waiting. You know, we live in such a fast-paced culture uh, and even our modern conveniences, which are, I'm certainly thankful for them, you know, have spoiled us. You know, we have, uh, you know, instant lunches that you could pop, pop in a microwave and in three minutes you have a full course dinner <laughs> with, you know, steak and mashed potatoes and gravy and things like that. Not. But anyway, we're conditioned, you know, to have, you know, this instant sort of gratification and instant uh, in, our, in our lives. And we're so fast-paced. Now, you contrast that with some of the other countries of the world and different cultures, and they're very slow-going, aren't they, sometimes? You know, you announce even a meeting or even a worship service or a gathering time, and, you know, half an hour beyond the time that's scheduled, you know, people are just kind of meandering in, uh, and it happens eventually. <laughs> but see, you and I, uh, in this country in particular, are so... Uh, conditioned by our present day and our culture, that everything has to be immediate. Well, many times we expect in our walk with God 
immediate results, don't we? When you think about uh, your own spiritual growth in relationship to Christ, you know, that, that takes time. Uh, in fact, uh, even anticipating the return of our Lord that we long for, uh, someone has said the return of Jesus Christ is eminent, but not immediate. We, we look with expectation, we look forward, uh, but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen immediately, at once, like right now. It can, but we wait. How about uh, in the area of answers to prayer? Uh, you and I um, uh, pray, we wait on God to answer our prayers, and, and sometimes it, it seems like there's a, a long delay before there is any answer. I think sometimes we can be guilty of, of this failure that we don't realize that God is not on our timetable. As someone has said, God is always on time, but he's never late. And that's a good thing to remember. There's also some things to keep in mind when we haven't received an, an, an answer to prayer in seeking God for a particular uh, situation maybe in our own lives or on behalf of others, that there are things uh, that can hinder God in answering our prayers. I came across this in Warren Wiersbe's book, uh, Famous Unanswered Prayers, and he mentions these, that these are barriers to answered prayer. The first thing is known sin, Psalm 66 and verse 18. Uh, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Another barrier can be selfishness. James tells us in James chapter 4 in the first three verses about how we desire things and we pray for things, but we don't get them because we ask with wrong motives because we want to consume them upon our own desires and our own lusts. And so selfishness can, can be a barrier in receiving an answer from the Lord. Here's one that we, need, we sometimes often neglect and overlook, 1 Peter 3, 7, disharmony in the home. Uh, Peter tells us that, uh, you know, uh, if, there is, if there is conflict even in the marital relationship, that can become a barrier to God hearing and answering prayer. And then Proverbs 28 and verse 9 tells us that ultimately the rejection of God's word uh, becomes a stumbling block and a barrier uh, to hearing from the Lord. But you and I need to examine our hearts to make sure that none of these are the reason that maybe God is delaying his answer and, has, and that these are not uh, barriers that have hindered him from responding to us directly. Uh, if that happens, what God is saying to us, uh, to you and me, is that he wants us to deal with those uh, issues before him and in relationship uh, to others. But why do we so often have to wait for an answer for God uh, to act? I just received word that uh, a man uh, back in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, while I was associate pastor at the previous church and prayed for him for 11 years, uh, and now I've been here over six years, that's 16 years, and it's probably even been prior to that, he just came to faith in Christ this week. That's good news. But, but why, why a delay? Why 20, 30, 40, 50 years for God 
to answer that prayer? Why didn't he move more quickly in this individual life? Well, here's, here's some things that I want us to consider here this morning. Number one, waiting is part of the life of faith. Waiting is part of the life of faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7 tells us we walk by faith uh, and not uh, by sight. It's kind of interesting, all the way back in the book of Genesis, uh, when Jacob was uh, prophesying over his sons, all 12 of them, and giving them indications of what their uh, future generations would be like. There's an interesting verse in Genesis 49.18 where Jacob says, I wait for your salvation, O Lord. And it's kind of interesting because it almost appears to be out of context to everything else that he has been saying. And I find it interesting that that word salvation is the word, Hebrew word, Yeshua. I wait for your Yeshua, O Lord. And what is the Hebrew word Yeshua? Joshua, or in the New Testament, Jesus. Isn't that interesting? And he says, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for your salvation, O Lord. He was anticipating that God was going to do something, but he didn't know when exactly. Or think about for a moment Abraham with me. God called him at 75 years old and said, pick up your possessions, your belongings, and go to the land that I'm going to show you. When you get there, I'll tell you. Now, that requires faith, wouldn't you say? Especially at the age of 75, where we're settling down and we're just, you know, you know wanting to sort of enjoy just things as they are and just kind of take it easy. Now, God promised Abraham a son, did he not? Who would inherit the covenant and the blessings and the promises? Do you know that he had a son, but Abraham was 99 years old when, when that son finally came along? Why did God wait? I think at least in part maybe is that because God was trying to teach Abraham some things about himself and, uh, and to reveal things about the Lord as well. We also see in the psalm, Psalm 25, uh, verse 3, these words. The psalmist writes, and the psalmist is David, Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. He continues on, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Verse 5, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. I'm waiting on you, O God. Kind of interesting, Isaiah uh, prayed a prayer uh, similar with this idea of waiting. Isaiah 33 and verse 2 says, O Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning, our salvation in the time of trouble. That's a, that's a great prayer for you and I to pray at the beginning, at the outset of the day. But did you notice that Isaiah had an, a, a waiting attitude upon God for God to act? And I find it interesting that in a very familiar passage of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, if you turn over to Isaiah chapter 40, the, the people uh, in verse 27 and following were 
coming to the conclusion, the wrong conclusion, that God somehow was uh, uh, distant from them, maybe inactive, maybe unaware of what they were going through as his people. And they, they say here at the end of verse 27, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. See, there's a sense in which God isn't answering. He's not coming through. He's not responding. And notice what the prophet says. Have you not heard, uh, have you not known, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But notice this, verse 31. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And there is that that anticipation, that expectation, that, that sense that God will indeed strengthen those who are weak, those who are weary, those who are stumbling, those who are ready to give up. And God will indeed, in a sense, if you would, come through. Uh, we have Isaiah's prayer. We have God's tremendous promise. And did you know that uh, even in the, the plans and purposes of God, many times things take a lot of time. Galatians 4.4 tells us that when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son. All the way from Abraham to, to the coming of Messiah, Jesus Christ, was 2,000 years. Why did it take God so long? That might be the, the, the question people might have. Why did you take so long? You know, well, God has a reason. Um, in fact, the, the Christian life is one of, of waiting uh, upon the Lord. Romans chapter 8, very uh, tremendous uh, portion of Scripture. It's all tremendous, but certainly Romans 8 is one of those golden chapters. In Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul says, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy of, comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. You know, you're not the only one that's waiting. All the creation is, is waiting. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. There's coming a day when God's going to set everything right, not only in your life and in mine through Jesus Christ, but for this world as well. So don't lose heart. All is not lost. God has a plan, and he's going to redeem even creation. And that's one of the reasons for which Christ died. Verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. That's believing people, those who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. We groan inwardly, notice this, as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. 
See, God has a plan for you and for me in Jesus Christ. And that includes the redemption, the full redemption of these bodies that he's going to one day glorify. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for he who, who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We wait. We wait. And you know, even the Old Testament prophet Zephaniah called the people of God to wait. In Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 8, the Lord says to his people, Therefore wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I will rise up to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather the nations and to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth will be consumed. Not only will believing people be redeemed and everything made right in this world, but there's a, there's a waiting on God for him to also bring justice to this world, which is so lacking because of our fallenness. But God will one day bring that. And he tells his Old Testament people, as well as you and me, to wait, to wait on him. So if you are currently waiting on God to answer prayer and for him to take action, God is not responding with indifference, nor is it odd that you have to wait, nor is God being cruel. He's saying, wait. Wait. Now, how does this relate to prayer? Well, let me suggest this. Waiting on God in prayer, number one, is an act of faith. It is an act of faith. It requires trust in God and in the unknown. Trust in God and in the unknown. The Hebrew word that's used for waiting, the verb, yahal, uh, has with it the solid ground of expectation directed towards God. There's an expectation because of the relationship that you and I have to God in prayer. And it requires faith in God that he not only hears you when you pray, but that he will answer you when you pray. Isn't that the scripture that we began this time of worship with in 1 John? That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we receive the petition that we have asked of him. God is not ignoring you when he tells you to wait. He's wanting you to exercise faith. Faith in him. Faith in his promises. Faith in his word, faith in his nature, and in his character. You know, in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, when's the last time you studied Habakkuk? Anybody read that recently? If you have, you've probably read the first chapter and said, boy, that sounds a lot like our day. Isn't it interesting how much of Scripture, <laughs> whether you go back in the Old Testament or into the New, it's so much like our day, isn't it? Interesting that in Habakkuk chapter 2, uh, the prophet, in, in Habakkuk, by the way, he was having this dialogue with God. 
kind of interesting because this is not a, this is not a, a prophet who was given a message from the Lord who then delivered it to the nation. This was a journal of the prophet in his relationship to God and his struggles with understanding why wasn't God acting to deal with the injustices that I see, the violence that is in the world, the, the, the iniquity and the wickedness that seems to be abounding every place you look. And God seems to be distant, disconnected, uninformed, or just not concerned but I am as his prophet, and it's bothering me. Well, notice what the Lord answers him, and the answer that he gave him first was saying, I am going to do something, something you wouldn't believe. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, and they're going to come in, and they're going to judge my people. Habakkuk scratches his head and says, wait a minute, back up. Can you say that again? The, the, the Babylonians are more wicked than we are, and you're going to use them? Oh, Yes. See, this required Habakkuk to take a look at his own heart before God and what he understood and knew to be true of God. I think there was some challenging to his, his faith and his walk with God. Now, notice what it says here in Habakkuk chapter 2. Verse 1 says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. See, there's a, a watchfulness. I, I, I'm looking for an answer from God. And notice what the Lord responds to him in verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. And see, God has a purpose, God has a plan. That plan includes me, it includes you, it includes even his Old Testament people, Israel, it includes this world, and God says it's written down, there's a plan, there's a purpose I have, I've already given you it in part, Habakkuk. Write it down, but though it seems to tarry, though it tarries, what are you to do? Wait for it. But I don't like to wait. God didn't ask you whether you like to wait or not. He says, wait for it. It will surely come. It certainly will come to pass. And let me ask you this. If you think about what you understand from the Lord in the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, has God ever failed to come through in any of his words? Only a couple of you believe that? Has God failed to come through on any of his promises in his word? That's a little better. One more time. Has God failed to come through in any of his promises or his word? That's better. You were making me nervous here for a minute. Maybe we need to go back and start the ABCs of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. We all need that, though. We need those reminders. No offense. But notice this. Look at verse 4. He's telling him, so, so Habakkuk is watching with that anticipated spirit. God tells him now to wait. And notice this. Look at how it is connected to faith. And, and you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're going to recognize this verse. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. 
I think he's rebuking those who, who, who are chastising or criticizing God. But the righteous shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And how many times is that mentioned in Scripture? Four total. It's in Romans, it's in Galatians, and it's in the book of Hebrews. The just, the righteous, those who are in right standing with God through Jesus Christ are to live by faith. And when you and I are waiting on God in prayer, it is an act of faith in God that he hears, he responds, he answers. It is an act of faith. But secondly, it's not only an act of faith, it is active faith. Active faith. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, it's not just passively setting by and kicking your feet up and saying, well, you know, I know the Lord's coming back someday. He'll figure all that out. It's, it's not a passive resignation that the purposes and plans of God will come to pass or that he won't one day answer me. I'll just leave it in his hands and just forget about it. That, that's not the response that David had in Psalm 130. Turn back, if you would, to Psalm 130. And notice what David says here. In the context, David's pleading for mercy. He recognizes his own sinfulness and the sinfulness not only of himself, but of really all people. Uh, and he says that if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Verse 3. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Now notice this, verse 8. I wait for the Lord... My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. And there's a couple of things that, that, that stand out to me in, in David's declaration here. First of all, he, this is a prayer of David. Uh, this, is, this is a song uh, that, that is sung. It's one of the Psalms of the Ascent that they would, they would sing as they were going to Jerusalem uh, for one of the many feasts, the three feasts that they had to come and celebrate before the Lord. And notice this. Um, it, it says here that they were waiting on God. David knew the character of God. Because notice this. He says, I wait for the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. I have already seen by past experience in my relationship with God that God keeps his promises, that God fulfills his word, and I can wait upon him when he tells me to wait or has not answered me directly yet because I know the character and nature of God. God has revealed this to me. And notice this, that he says he's doing this in that he waits for the Lord, my soul waits did you catch that? This is at the very core of the psalmist's being. In the very heart of hearts, that he knows that he knows that he knows that God is faithful to his word and to his promises. It's the inner disposition of the heart, the core of his being, his longing for God. And David wanted his relationship with God more than anything else 
More than anything else, he wanted the giver and not just necessarily the gifts that he brings. And his faith is expressed uh, in, in the verses that follow. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption. For the condition that the nation was in because of their sins, because of the recognition of his own sinfulness, he knew that God was a redeemer, one who could bring salvation, one who would forgive sins, as he mentions in verse 4. And notice this, it was true for the nation. That was the only hope of the nation. And that's the only hope for us as a nation, is found in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel. There is no hope anywhere else. And notice this, O Israel, hope in the Lord. And notice this, look at, notice his, his faith looking even forward to God's purposes, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. You know that the psalmist here is actually looking forward even beyond our day, that one day, according to Romans chapter 11, that God is going to one day fully redeem Israel? My friends, that, that, that certainly is active faith. That is certainly an act of faith. That is certainly uh, the desire expressed in there is one of faith in God that he will bring to pass his purposes in his time. And it requires many times for you and I to wait on God to answer. And can it be that God is building into me and into you a confidence, a trust, a deeper faith, that continues to look to him when there is no visible evidence that he's at work? You know, I, I thought about this. It wouldn't require much faith, uh, would it, if God answered automatically and instantly every time we prayed? Think about that. I tried to think of an uh, illustration of that. And the only thing that came to my mind was a vending machine. You know, you put in your money and poof, what you ask for comes out. You push the button, it's automatic. Whoot, whoot, whoot. If, if our walk with God and our prayer life and our relationship to God through Christ were like that, it wouldn't require much faith, now would it? It would become formulaic, predictable. We, we just probably wouldn't even really depend upon him much anymore uh, with, if that were the case. And you know... This, this message, waiting on God in prayer, is something that's very personal to me, especially in this last couple of weeks. Um, as we were going off to vacation, you know, the last week, I wasn't really sure what I was going to preach. In fact, I kind of had things kind of in mind that I was going to preach, and all of a sudden, it's just like everything kind of went whoosh. And it was like I was having no sense of what to bring to the congregation in messages. And so I, before I went on vacation, I copied some things off, and I had some suggested ideas, and I sketched out some outlines of certain things that were coming to my mind. And I had the hardest time trying to figure out what it is God would have for you and me as a congregation in, in going forward from these messages. And it was blank, you know? And, and, and I don't know about you who have pastored or have taught uh, on a regular basis, but that's probably the most difficult thing. In, in, in the writing world, it would be like writer's block. You know, you're staring at a blank sheet of paper. And I had to keep praying and praying and praying and waiting. <laughs> you know? 
I, I finally come to a conclusion. Uh, God, God made it clear, I think, what is next for us. I'm certain of that. You know? But my question would have been, well, what would have happened? I think Tammy even asked me this. What would have happened if God didn't answer by this Sunday? What would you have said? I'd be in a dilemma you know, to know what to preach. Now, I'm on a time frame, of course, obviously, and we are as well, um, all of us in our own individual lives, but God did come through and answer prayer. Uh, and, and you and I can be, can be confident that when we wait on God in prayer, you know, he hears us when we pray and he will answer. Now, there's four things that I see as I wrap this up of that, that waiting on God produces in our lives. Four things. Number one is anticipation. Anticipation. Uh, when we speak about anticipation, there is a degree of the unknown that is before us. Um, it's, it's, it's the idea uh, that you and I use this phrase, I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, when we put it in terms of our relationship with God, I can't wait to see how God is going to work this out for my good and his glory. There's an anticipation that is there, but there's also the unknown. You recall that when Jesus was about to ascend in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, he told the disciples that they were to tarry in Jerusalem, to wait in Jerusalem until they were clothed with power from on high. Now, think about that for a moment. Jesus didn't tell them when that was going to happen. He just says, you are to wait until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, turn, if you would, to the book of Acts for a moment, because Luke, who wrote the gospel, also wrote the book of Acts, uh, said these words in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jesus appeared to them over these 40 days after his resurrection, and verse 4 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Not many days. He didn't give them a time frame, though. They were to wait and I'm sure that there was an anticipation on their part. We're told in Acts 1.14 that they were together praying as they were waiting on God. They were waiting, and it's that anticipation that they did not know when or what would happen or what this would look like, but they were looking forward with anticipation, with even that element of unknown, the unexpected, and they were still waiting in faith in what God would do. I think that one of the reasons why, why anticipation needs to be built into us because it keeps me and it keeps you focused on God in prayer. It keeps me connected to him in prayer. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1 says that Jesus told the parable that we ought always to pray and not lose heart, to not give up, to not become discouraged, to not throw up our hands and say prayer is useless because God isn't answering it. There's an anticipation that includes that which is unknown. Secondly, there is an expectation. An expectation. Well, you say, isn't that one and the same? Anticipation and expectation? Well, not exactly. They're similar, but they're not exactly. There's a, there's a similarity, but they're not synonymous with one another. 
Anticipation, as I said, has a degree of the unknown that you don't know what the outcome might be. Expectation uh, is that confidence in God uh, that there is a certainty that it will happen. The expectation. God will answer. He will keep his word. And when you and I are called upon to, to exercise an expectation, this enlarges our confidence in God to have a certainty and a hope and an assurance both now and for all that is future, for all that is eternity. In fact, let me have you turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And look with me at verse 20. Paul is contrasting the things of this earthly life with the, the, the mindset and attitude of the believers in Jesus. Verse 20, But our citizenship is in heaven. From it we wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see that? There's a waiting. There's an expectation. And it's not a, an uncertainty that whether or not he will or will not come back, it is a certainty. It is assured. And notice what he says here. When Jesus comes back, verse 21, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. See, there's an expectation that one day, based on the authority of God's word and the promises that he's made to us in Jesus Christ, that he's going to one day glorify us to be like Jesus. That's our expectation. It's not uncertain that it will happen. It will happen. And we say yea and amen to that. So waiting on me and you, uh, waiting for me and waiting for you and waiting on God produces an anticipation and expectation, but it also produces patience. How many of you are patient by nature? Nobody raised their hand. You know, patience has with it both the idea of calmness and the idea of long-suffering. And Galatians 5.22 tells us that the work of the Holy Spirit, in fact, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. And when you and I are waiting upon God for an answer to prayer, for him to, to respond, for him to give direction, for him to come through, for him to heal, for him to save someone else, for him to uh, respond in some way, that, that waiting period, that waiting time allows for the Holy Spirit, if we are yielded to him, to produce within us a patience where we can wait upon God even longer. And so God not only expects this of his people, he gives us the ability to wait through his spirit who dwells within us. And so when you and I become impatient, maybe that's an indicator that we're not being filled with the spirit not being directed by the Spirit in our lives. Because God knows for us to wait and to have patience, it requires God to help us through Jesus Christ to do so. Uh, in fact, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 11, we are told that God gives and produces within us patience by his mighty power within us. But you know, it's kind of interesting that the writer to the Hebrews mentions this as well in Hebrews chapter 6. 
if you turn over to Hebrews chapter 6 for a moment, that not only is patience that which the Holy Spirit produces within us, and waiting provides that space, that opportunity for that to be developed within us, but notice what uh, the writer says here in Hebrews chapter uh, 6 and verse 12. He says here, let me read verse 11 to get the context. And we desire each of you to show the same eagerness to have the same full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Not only do we depend upon the Spirit of God in those times of waiting, but we also look to other people of faith whom God has worked in their lives and they've learned the discipline of waiting on God and we learn from them as well and their experience who know for certain and have experienced the fact that God has come through on his promises. As it says, they inherit the promises. They receive what was promised to them. So patience is that which waiting produces. One last thing. Not only anticipation, not only expectation, not only patience, but endurance. Endurance. Endurance is stamina, it's fortitude, it's courage, it's tenacity, it's holding on to God. Do you remember Jacob in the Old Testament wrestling? What did Jacob say in Genesis 32, 26? I will not let go of you unless you bless me. How many of us have that kind of, of faith uh, in God and trust in him that when we come to him in prayer and we've not heard that answer, we'll wait on him and we're going to hold on to him until we get an answer. We're not going to give up. We're going to continue to press on and press into God in that way. You know, it's kind of interesting, Luke chapter 18, the first eight verses. You know, Jesus gave the parable uh, of the persistent widow who came to the judge wanting her petition to be met. Uh, and notice what Jesus says here by way of an application of that, uh, that parable. Uh, he's not saying that God is the unjust judge that needs to be begged. It's a contrast that's being set up. And notice verse 7, it says, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Night and day, his people are calling out to him, and God is going to respond speedily. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't that teach that God answers prayer uh, without delay and that it's always immediate? Why is there waiting? Good question. No, it doesn't teach that. It's saying that when God does answer, it will come with swiftness and with quickness to its appointed end. It will come immediately when he answers. There will be no further delay. And it's kind of interesting that God said of his people in the Old Testament, there was coming a day that while they are yet speaking, I will answer. And there's the sense in which you crying out to God and you waiting on God in faith, uh, both as an act of faith and as as active faith, you know, is saying to God, I'm waiting on you for an answer and I'm holding on to you and I will not let go until you respond. 
I find it interesting in one last verse here, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, that uh, the writer here is giving a series of exhortations for the, those that he was writing to, for them to endure, to press on. Uh, it's, it would seem to be that the, the audience to which this book was written were certainly believers, but there were some who were wanting to abandon the faith and wanting to give up. Uh, and the writer here is calling the people of God to endurance, to pressing on, to continuing, to have the stamina and the fortitude and the courage to continue to press on. And notice what the writer says here at verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you might receive what is promised. And notice this. This is a quote from, from Habakkuk, which we read in the Old Testament. For a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. Verse 38. But my righteous one shall live by faith. But if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The writer of the Hebrews was confident, though, because he said, verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And I'm confident that you likewise have that same desire to want to wait upon God who fulfills his promises and his word in his time. Shall we pray? Our Father, we, we thank you for the reminder today through your word that we are to wait upon you in prayer, many times not knowing when you will respond to us when we pray or even how the outcome uh, may look. And yet, Lord, that calls for us to continue to have faith in you. And Lord, it is our request that you would teach us this spiritual discipline of waiting upon you. And that we would be encouraged, Lord, to continue to hold on to you. Even if we have not seen immediate results, or maybe it has been a long time that we've come before you concerning different matters in our own life or on behalf of others and have not seen any evidence of your work. Help us, Father, to be people who continue to wait on you in faith, that we do so with anticipation, with expectation, with patience, and with endurance. And may you develop that, Lord, within us in greater measure so that we might know you better through your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in, for his glory and namesake that we ask these things. In his name we pray. Amen.